When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs. It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor Ted loves to give me that look when I ask to borrow a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now I gotta borrow one from Ted? What is happening? Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. <laughs> Courtney, Courtney the, the voices are coming from inside the house. Voices inside my, inside my Okay. Wow. <laughs> that was wow. Horrible. It's 110 degrees in New York. If we melt in the middle of the show, actually, we shouldn't complain because it actually is 110 degrees in parts of the country. <laughs> and maybe we should start the show. Hey, the everybody. Show. Hey, everyone. <laughs> it's us. It's Courtney Amy. So I'm going to let you finish. It's I'm going to let you finish show 53. Are we at 53? Are we 54? 54? 54? 54? I think it's 54. <laughs> the age we keep telling ourselves <laughs> right. we are. <laughs> well, I mean, the age I'm about to be, actually, Woo-hoo! in July. And we have a special guest today. CEO uh, and co-founder yeah. of Giant Step, yep. Morris Bernstein. Yes, so he sir. will be joining us in a, a little bit. Yeah, and we're going to talk about what they have going on currently because, I'm, as you guys know, like they're still a really amazing marketing company and just all of the cool stuff throughout the years and ongoing, blah, blah, blah. So how are you? How was your weekend? This was the big Pride weekend. It's done. Did you go outside in your neighborhood and see any of the energy or the block party around from you or any of the stuff? No. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. I went outside of my neighborhood. I left the right. city, but I, I was, I was in, I was in, um, uh, I went to my friends in Westchester and just basically, um, you know, uh, eight, eight. <laughs> yeah, right, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Good, yeah. Good, good. That's it. But I was proud to be eating. Yeah. You know, listen, I did a very adult shit. Like a friend of mine lives around the corner. He has a deck, went on his deck. We hung out there Friday, went to, uh, rooftop brunch thing on Saturday and then Sunday I did laundry very pridefully all day and slept on I put my red sheets on the bed so I feel like that was one of the colors in the rainbow and and they were crisp and clean and I prayed and I was prideful you know we 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 find pride in who we are and what we can be in any way we can Courtney any way we can you know every day is a winding road and I don't know why I'm quoting Cheryl Crow because I don't like her. But anyway, <laughs> that's how much the he's got to. I know you do. I know. I, I know. I know. We could do. We don't even have to have a rundown for a podcast. We could just basically you could name a name. I could roll my eyes and discuss. And, and, and I'm like, I love that. I, I love Cheryl Crow. Yeah, I know. All right. Well, speaking of love. Um, uh-huh. Let's talk about the BET Awards a little bit, which I did not watch because A, I was coming back on a train, B, I forget they're on, and C, Sunday night is 90 Day Fiance. So. Well, here's my rundown. Little Nas X is getting better with his live performances. Okay. Uh, Cardi B is pregnant again. Good for uh, her. Queen Latifah essentially acknowledged her 
you know, same-sex loving ways, and nobody even batted an eye. She's and married, right? And she has a I'm, kid. Yeah, and she and she thanked her family. She thanked, I, you know, she thanked. Finally, at the end, she thanked Ebony, who and and her and her family, and said Happy Pride. Right there, you go. Boom. She looks beautiful. It's great. Oh, she's but gorgeous. It, what I love is that it, it didn't even get about an eyelash, cause, and, and which is actually what it should be these days, yeah. right? It's like that's what we're fighting for. Where it's like, okay, it's not like, a whatever. Big deal. Yeah, you know? whatever. And uh, I and, and a friend, my friend, wrote the pre-show, and you know she had a great pre-show, so I'm happy that it happened. They're gone, and you know, yeah, there was no, um, there was no. Megan was drama. the big, Megan was the big winner of the night. You know, yeah. to me, it's just the state of the last year of music's been weird. So it was the, it wasn't that moment where you feel like, wow, I discovered something new, I felt something new, but it was fine enough. It's fine. You know, it's At this fine. point, if it goes off without a hiccup. It's fine. They celebrated the women, which is always great. Um, and audiences be being able to be back, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're baby steps, baby steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. um, Speaking of women, there's a new Mary J. Blige documentary on Amazon. Yeah. You and I both watch it. You and I have opinions about it. Um, yes. We're both huge. <clears throat> All right. I mean, we will now state the obvious. We're both <laughs> huge Mary J. Here, here's something that you might both find shocking. Uh, we're both huge Mary J. Blige fans. Um, I remember the first time I heard her on the radio, I was like, holy shit, what's this? Love her. Mm -hmm. um, I've interviewed Mary a couple times earlier on in the career. I, I mean, feel like she, I was at the What's the 411 yeah, launch situation yeah, I mean, and all of that, yeah. It's, it's the documentary is, it's short. It's only about 80 minutes. Um, it is supposed to be an examination of the uh, of the what's the 411 album which no, is no my life my life my this life i'm my sorry life, my right life, my yeah. life I'm sorry mm -hmm. yeah right mm -hmm. uh, which is considered by most her best album even though it was her sophomore record what's the 411 had broken huge ground introduced her queen of hip hop soul my life is her sort of singer songwriter confessional album. well it's her story and it's the one that people really have tied to her the most yeah. and it's you know it's about pain and so the whole documentary is about what was going on in that period of her life right now here's my thing and we're going to agree so Dis go for Dis it <laughs> disclaimer yes i do love mary j blige i yeah. do but i also feel like we, she has lived in this story yeah. and has told this story a lot. And I know people feel like, all right, there's a new perspective and we're talking, the people who were there. But I just want Mary to have a, more of a story of perseverance and survival. It seems like the one that people love the most is her wrapped up in this turmoil and depression. Yeah. I found it quite depressing and then i realized that anything around her i always kind of find quite depressing and heavy and it feels like her story is living in this heaviness and she's been mary j blige now for a very long time and i would hope that her years and i know trauma is something that really does stay with people i just hope now that she's put this documentary out there and said it that she can have another narrative for herself because it does seem a little bit a narrative of sadness more than where, where to me it should be a narrative of resilience and i guess that is the message people want you to get right. across but to me it always just feels what i remember at the end of everything is just heaviness i don't well, remember that's a, resilience yeah resilience. that's the thing of her and again love her but I, as someone who covered her it, look yes there was unbelievable there was very pronounced trauma she spoke about you know some of it was public you know the relationship with casey though we didn't know all the details we know that she had a drug and drinking problem we, we and i'm not in any way minimizing all this but yes it almost seems like you know there's always like a hook when an album an artist is putting out an album for the journalist and it, it became like a running joke like oh the hook this time is mary's going to dive into her journey and speak her truth and talk about the trauma and at some point you're like good lord woman i mean like lighten up a little bit not that we even when she's happy she seems sad and maybe she's just that woman I mean, right. she did go, the, the, the marriage and the divorce are not spoken of at all. There might be an NDA or whatever. Well, but, the marriage and the divorce, 
is much late. She wasn't married no, no, during no. my life. No, no, no. But there's co- tons of current stuff in this. This covers the My yeah, Life reunion it, tour. It, there is, but you know that was it. Still, like, if, if she's really kind of focusing on my life, and then you come back with the reunion tour, right? Yeah, you're really going to talk about what was happening during that period, right? Like, like that that uh, that other husband, and that later shit was just you oh, know, he was a, a mess. But I mean, anyway, I I will say this: um, it is worth watching if you're a fan. Of, you know, in, in in a lot of ways, Courtney and I are not the target audience because we've sort of been in the trenches with this stuff. It is worth watching. It is always worth watching. Mary Singh. She is one of the most. You know, is she technically the best singer? No, she is not. But I, every time that woman sings, I feel it much more than a lot of women who are technically good singers. She's sort of like Johnny Thunders. Could he really play the guitar? No. Well, I saw not. her on her last tour, and vocally, it was one of the best times. No, I've I'm seen. saying I've she's seen, gotten well, better. Because I've seen it through the years, and there have been some shows yep, where it was like, like wow, and there are others where it was like, uh, what is happening? Yes. Yeah, so, and that was early on. But this last tour, you know, this is a woman who clearly knows, understands how to use her instrument. Well, now, yeah. Yeah, now, so much, so much better. Like that, it was the royalty tour, her and Nas. And, you know, Nas has a reputation of sometimes being a little boring on tour, but that show was great. He rapped everything you wanted to hear, and she sang a lot of the My Life stuff and a lot of stuff that you'd want to hear, you know, and was so, vocally great. I just want, now that this is, immortalized forever in a documentary, I would love to see a different narrative for her, a happier, healthier narrative. And maybe a great album, because if I can be honest, I've not loved a, I can't remember the last full Mary album. Oh, I I can. From top to bottom. The one she did with Disclosure, the London album. Did you love that album? I, I liked it a hell of a lot. I certainly liked it. Well, here's what I thought about that album. I thought they were good songs, but I found it interesting that all of those people that she worked with had wrote big hits for themselves and big hits. And then when when it came to these songs for Mary, I think she had good songs, but where were the hit songs? Uh, The hits don't bother me as much. Um, All right. Uh, You want to talk a little bit about... um, So we've been talking about Britney. Courtney in particular been talking about the Britney Spears situation um and we finally heard her speak for herself no speculation from sources and this one we finally heard britney in her own words yeah and what we heard i think was 20 times more shocking than any of us actually thought and it really brought up to me thinking about all the times i've been in the industry and i've seen a lot of men be really unstable, drug addicts, drunk, crazy, so much stuff, but no one has come in. Listen, do I feel like in the beginning, her father stepped in to save her life? Sure. But to look at a woman who is about 40 years old this year, essentially saying, hey, um, I, 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 I'm being told that I, uh, this IUD is in me. I can't take it out. I can't get to my own money. I'm paying all of these people, but I have no say in hiring them. Uh, I can't just get in my car and take a drive. People are watching me take a shower in the morning. I'm being forced. I was forced on lithium. And then you look back on all of those performances, right? And you see this person who's literally dead in her eyes. No, she is dead in her eyes. Dead in her eyes. And I have met this girl several times through the years. I've seen her in in, in small shows from the beginning to everything. It is like looking at a different person. So to hear it in her own words was chilling. It made me very sad. It made me really angry. And it really made me think, why does this seem to happen to women where people get to come in and under the guise of I'm saving them, really control every aspect of her life. This, it's been 13 years. Yeah. 13. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, to me, and uh, the, 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 the bigger picture is what concerns me more. I'm, I'm obviously very sad about that this has happened over. She received ridiculous legal advice. I mean, she, she's, it, I don't even want to go into that. I mean, there's been a series of poor decisions on her team and on her team's team too, in terms of legal advice, she's had horrible legal advice. But, but that's the thing. She was those lawyers. What did she say? Those lawyers were forcing her, right? Because what did she say? I want to choose my own attorney. So right. There's such a weird thing, right? Where you feel like 
what really happened here? Well, I, 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 I am concerned about that, but I, like I said, I'm, I, I, I think we discussed this. I'm more, Amber Tamblin, who's an actress, um, who had been a child actress, I guess, wrote a really powerful um, op-ed piece in the Times that we posted on our, on our Facebook page. And this is a bigger issue, like you spoke to. You know, when men are messy, it's romanticized. You know, very rarely do people, men are allowed to be messy, men are allowed to sleep around, men are allowed to be, dru a drug addict man is romanticized, right? A drug addict woman is fucking shunned, especially if she has children, God forbid you, you know, be a bad mother, and I'm putting that in big quotes because it's by a man's criteria what a bad mother is, but it's, women are commodified much more so than the men. Women are um, controlled. I mean, it's not that big a leap for me to look at what they're doing to Britney Spears in terms of monitoring and commodifying her body and a girl being denied uh, reproductive rights, having to ask permission of her husband. There are some states where you have to ask your husband for permission to have an abortion. And I don't want to get into a whole conversation about abortion because I know it's a subject that ticks some, that ticks might tick off people and I have my oh. opinions on it. Well, but, but that's why it's our show and you have the right to say your no, opinion I am and, let, well, I am, and, let them, and let them be ticked off. Yeah, I am Sometimes, you know what, people need to be ticked off. Right, oh, well. I am pro-choice. I am pro-choice. I don't I. think, I don't think that, but. I, I, when you and I have had to, and I, and I really understand how you feel, especially when it comes to women's rights as a woman. And I always say this, it doesn't matter if I believe in abortion or not. Right. I don't. For, for me as a man, when I see these men yelling at these women, it's like, so you guys have cut off services. You don't want people to have services. You don't want them having, you don't want them to have birth control. You don't, what, like, it's almost like- What they like, want them to do is not have sex. Yeah, oh. or, or just be there for my pleasure. Yeah, no. So I don't feel like you have the right to tell any woman what she should do with her body. Right. Because let me just tell you something. If men could get pregnant, honey, there would be Coca-Cola. Sodas would have abortion flavors. You know what? I mean? They would. Because if a man could get flavor, you'd be well, like, yeah. would you be able to, can I get ginger ale abortion, please? You absolutely would. It would be a pill. It, as much fucking as men do, it would not be an issue. That I know for sure. This is true. And, and I think as we discussed, the, to me, again, what's happening with Brittany is, is yeah. very sad. I think it will be... I, th I think it will be worked out, but uh, imagine if a white woman of this much uh, profile and money, imagine if this is happening to her, imagine what's happening to a 16 or 17 or 20 year old woman living in a small town, a woman of color, an uneducated Absolutely. woman, imagine what's happening to her. And that to me, this brings up an issue of how these girls and the men too, but women are commodified in a way that men are not, women are in their 30s and still referred to as being girls. I don't hear anyone talking about Chris Brown being a boy or Justin Bieber being a boy. Justin Bieber fucked up right and left and was welcome. Chris Brown is still beating up women and is not. Well, suffering. allegedly, don't say that. You have to say I'll allegedly. Say it. Well, no, because we don't know that to be true. Because right. this woman said he slapped her so hard that her weave came off her head. So there's, there's, I mean, that's a, that's, you should be in the hospital, dead, if somebody can knock a weave off your head. So we have to say allegedly, because we don't, we don't know what happened with that last situation. And, and there's, there's been a lot of out, I'm not defending Chris Brown. I know, I know you're not. I know you're not. But there has been a lot of allegations against him because he's that person that had been you know, thrown out and proven false. So I think that, first of all, they're all young people, and they were all young people. What bothers me the most about Britney is when people try to act surprised, but look at how she shaved her head. I'm like, yes. Can we also play back her life at that time and what was happening and how she was being treated and the mobs of paparazzi around her, possibly having these kids back to back, the flash wedding, just seeing a young from somebody who's worked with young artists, no one can prepare you for fame. And the level of fame that she got, there's just no rule book for it. There's no handbook for how to handle becoming that famous that that was really the paparazzi time where there'd be 40 around your car and she could not drive and they'd be screaming and on the hood of the car. It was such a crazy time that 
I think we have, we've watched this woman be dragged all over the place. And I think it's time to start having a little more compassion for people. You know, it, it's like, I know that everything is quick clickbait stories and quick to want to be the first to put something out there and get whatever. But, you know, I, it's, it just well, seems like the whole of everything together ended up being a pretty treacherous situation. We watched it unfold. So I'm surprised when people act so surprised now that she's ended up in the place where she's ended up. All right. I, um, I, I, I agree with you. We're going to keep an eye on what happens to this. Hopefully there will be a resolution. They're and back again, in court June 14th, I believe. June, it's already July, June. July 14th. <laughs> yeah. But there is an interesting thing. Her legal team has to file paperwork to dissolve the conservatorship, and that has not happened yet. All right. Well, we will see what happened. All right. We um, are going to meet uh, meet with. We're going to have uh, Maurice Bernstein is joining us. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, um, Morris, excuse me. I should know better. Let's bring Morris in. I've known him long enough to know that. <laughs> So Morris is the CEO and co-founder of Giant Step. Giant Step, as you guys know, is still an amazing marketing, marketing company, working with amazing brands, amazing artists. They've always had the Midas touch of being able to choose really interesting projects, interesting party, just interesting companies to work with and bring all of that together in such a seamless way. You know? Morris, can you, Morris, Hi. can you? Hey, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I don't know. Courtney Morris. Morris, Courtney. Howdy. Hi. Um, Hi, Courtney. Hey. So I, along I remember with, Courtney. Okay, cool. Great. And I hope you remember me. Who are you? And you are. Um, all right, so Morris, along, we, we were big up in you, and I don't think we can do that enough. But so along as Courtney said, being CEO and co-founder of John Step, you are an adjunct at NYU, I'm assuming in the Clive Davis program. Correct. Correct something i don't know why they won't hire yeah. me but that's a whole nother and he also that's another discussion he also hired oops it's like it's fine i did help edit some papers it's okay. fine it's okay i be, i prefer to be the woman I, behind i, I the see it's, it's it's not an issue then right. yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm over it um Listen, working as an adjunct and, and two other schools, I've realized that being an adjunct, the glory that I thought it was is not no. what I thought it was. Yeah. No. You also host two podcasts because that's just the kind of man you are. Disinfect with my fellow journalist, Matt Deal. And, and they look at the, oh, this sounds hilarious, into the worst music ever recorded. Oh, yeah. Bring <laughs> deep, me on, baby. A, a deep dive. Oh, yeah. We, we've done... Um, the first, se the first season was on the worst covers. So uh, we did everything from uh, Paul Young's uh, cover of uh, uh, Joy Division's Love Will Tear Us Oh, you and I oh, had it out because uh, I love that cover. Oh, well, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, mm. I, I to Madonna's, Madonna's cover American of uh, Pie. American Pie. Pie. That literally <laughs> the worst. So <laughs> to to uh, Barbara Streisand's cover of Life on Mars. Oh my oh. God! It's uh, I have the album that that's on. Uh, it's so sorry. just like all right, what? and that's our show today, guys. Bye. <laughs> and, 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 and Sammy Davis Jr.'s cover of Shaft. Okay. Oh wait, let me let me see the other podcast, and then we can just like. Uh, oh, it's too hot for that. And the I'm other trying to imagine. What that even fucking sounds like? I don't like, even want to think about it. After this show ends, yeah. I'm clearly to going it. online to get Sammy Davis Jr. And our and our guest for that was Carl Hancock Rocks. So <laughs> Carl went right in there on that. Oh, you know, Carl. <laughs> listen, on a good day, Carl can be vicious. Okay, that's why I adore him. He was and kind. The, uh, he yeah, was kind. we love him. And the giant. And your other podcast is the Giant Set Podcast: A Journey into This is a Journey into Music <laughs> and Culture. Correct. Which is yes. kind of where we want to jump yeah. off with you. So um, I wrote down, I took notes more. I should be very <laughs> proud of me. I wrote down your mantra because uh, Courtney and I love it. And it says, giant step knows culture. Nothing communicates an emotion and a connection the way music can. It is the universal power to heal, excite, inspire, soothe, and cure. Yeah, that's what we believe. So, um, 
And I think especially over, um, you know, the recent times, uh, I think music has been a very important uh, healing uh, tool for people um, to deal with everything that's been going on, uh, whether that's listening to music that, you know, makes you, comforts you from, you know, uh, earlier in your life that reminds you of better times to discovering and being excited about new things or uh, using music for wellness in meditation and uh, just just keeping people calm. So I think the role of music has always obviously been important because, you know, None of us would be here without teaching it. <laughs> to the converted, but I, I think even more so now. You know, so. music got me through the pandemic. I yep. mean, I'd listen to in the house. I started digging through my collection, listening to old stuff again, and rediscovering artists, and just going through their whole catalogs. And then you know, some of the new records, right? New pop records to take my mind off of it that made me dance. Jesse Ware made me dance through oh, the pandemic. Great album. Yes, yeah. such album. a great album. Dua Lipa came and made me dance through the pandemic. Even Lady Gaga's big chromatica was such a club moment. I had my little dance moments in this house through the pandemic and Kylie Minogue's disco. I feel like there mm-hmm. was some great pop. I feel like big pop great dance records came at a time when no one could dance, but it still gave that energy and that feeling and I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah couldn't agree with you more. Very much so. It's funny because um, after 9-11, and then we'll go to something a little happier, but after 9-11, I found that the hardest thing for me to do was to listen to music because yep. it's almost like I needed that silence. I needed mm-hmm. to kind of reconnect and then I could um, listen. So you guys started at, um, as a label, and one of the things that's no, in a club, no, no, we didn't. We a didn't. club, okay. excuse so, me, a club. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. It's, it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, we, it, we, there's been many lives of giant steps, so it, it's 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 fine because we're sort of different things to different people, uh, but the mantra remains the same. Um, but no, we started as a underground party in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but just before the giant step party started, um, we, we had something called the groove Academy, which was, um, a a platform to put on the artists who had been heavily sampled, but really forgotten. Um, and you know, that was reintroducing to uh, a new generation artists like, uh, Bootsy Collins, Jimmy Caster, the Ohio players, Maceo Parker, uh, George Clinton, Gil Scott Heron, uh, I mean, Junior Walker. Uh, I mean, the list was pretty endless. Uh, and then from there, um, started this party giant step, which was originally supposed to sort of promote people dancing to jazz music. But, um, we started incorporating hip hop and it was at the same time when there were other, it was like a, a like-minded movement. You had Gangstar doing the same thing. You had Tribe, you had Della, and then you had the movement that was in England and Europe. Uh, and then obviously out then came Digable Planets and The Roots and sort of from there. It kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. It's so mm-hmm. funny, and I'm wondering whether, because uh, Europeans and British people have always had a very different purview of American, especially American black music. And yeah. I'm wondering, you know, um, what I mean, I've, I've talked to British people about this before, but what is it? Why is it that you see like, why is it that a bunch of Brits would go? We need to reintroduce George Clinton where an American might think, well, he's always been here. Why do I need to reintroduce him? Well, I think I think there's there's a couple of things. First of all, there's some people who would say, yes, he's always been here. But the majority of people would say, George, who? That's a good and point. I think that that was the sort of the key thing. Um, so I think why, why do British people have an appreciation of American music, especially, um, uh, you know, African-American music? Um, and this, this goes back to, you know, why did the Rolling, why were the Rolling Stones obsessed by the blues? Why was Eric Clapton obsessed by the blues? Why were the Beatles obsessed by Chuck Berry? Um, and it's because England is a we're sort of a, in, in a way all our information was coming from one place uh, meaning uh, you know so it, this country was very um divided in many ways so you had radio 
which was very divided. So if you were a certain type of person, you listened to a certain type of radio and you knew nothing else. Um, and in England, we had only one or two sources of our media. We had a national radio station that played pop music. And pop music to me was everything from Motown to rock music to you know, bubblegum pop music to singer-songwriters. We got a real mix. So, uh, and then it's the same with TV. So we became obsessed by that music because it was great music. And right. we didn't really understand the, the nuances of the politics of what was happening behind that music in the United States. Um, it's just bloody good music. And, you know, uh, you know we're just... Obsessives, and I think the same with the Japanese as well. Yeah, they, um, right. I mean, um, um, I was going to say the way you were describing the music, the way you heard it. I mean, Courtney, you and I grew up in New York, and we're about the same age. That would describe top forty when we were growing up, right? Uh, listen, I tell people all of the time. I think music is more segregated now. I think back to an artist like Bobby Gentry. Oh, to Billy Joe was a hit on the, it was a top 10 hit on the black charts in Billboard because it was called the black chart then, <laughs> the pop chart, the adult contemporary chart, the country chart. You would never hear Bobby, like when you hear any kind of late night show on any black radio, you don't ever hear those records that crossed over anymore. It's just, it's just not done. It's not played. And I do find it interesting that I, I feel like some of that still bleeds over today with American radio and American black radio, I think has absolutely failed the black consumer because oh, yeah. there's still a lot of those artists and R&B artists who are not getting that play here today. Right, right now, yeah. if it's not sort of hip hop leaning and almost have the hottest rapper on it, where's that place for you? And then if you get like a white soul singer who comes and has that same voice, Everybody jumps on these Everybody jumps on that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the difference is, though, that radio is less relevant now. Back then, it was the gatekeeper, and they were able to dictate people's tastes, which is what they did. Now, you can circumvent them, and it doesn't really matter, because, you know, kids are listening and finding their music out through the streaming services or YouTube, so... They get on a certain algorithm. They are all of a sudden discovering music that would they would not be serviced by radio for. True. So radio is, yeah. it's not irrelevant, but it's no longer the gatekeeper, which is why you have these young kids. That's why you're hearing these DJs, young DJs now. They're playing like old school stuff. And you're like, where did you, how do you know about this? And it's yeah. because it, it's, it's also everything's available to you now. When yeah. we were first doing Giant Step, um, it was like a secret. You either knew or you didn't know. It was right. that clear, you know, that you had the knowledge or you did not know what was going on. And in order to get that knowledge, we had to work very, very hard. We had to find the right publications. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we go to Tower Records and we, you know, try and stand there reading all the magazines <laughs> until we got told not to. <laughs> uh, you'd have to go and get the right import records or you'd oh. have to go to the right party or club to hear a DJ who was probably the only person who had that record. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so it was a very, you know, uh, I, I really give kudos to those people back then because they worked. <laughs> it's almost like it was a secret language and it's funny yeah. when you talk about radio because Courtney brings this up a lot and I see it because well you have uh, high school kids right teenage kids and yeah one just graduated from congratulations <laughs> and I work with high school kids and if I were to say to a high school kid uh, radio they probably don't even know what that word means right. you In know the they have way, no yeah, yeah. idea they listen no, yeah. they get all their information music TV everything from YouTube that's it. Yeah, it's social. True. They're socials. Absolutely. So, yeah, so friends, influence, the, you know, again, it's just basically radio. And TikTok it's, now. Yeah, yeah, it's not that relevant. Mm -hmm. It's not irrelevant, but they're not the gatekeepers. So how do you, with that in mind, you guys sort of um, very intelligently and very successfully kind of went into an, a way where you were bringing the culture that you guys knew and, and sort of regenerated and, and 
shone a light on and you moved in into a quote unquote corporate world how, with the foundation being music, right? How did you guys do that? Um, accidentally, like everything <laughs> that <laughs> I wish I could say it was part of a master plan. It was not. Just um, say it. Not just yeah, say no, it. <laughs> no, it was accidental. Um, I think the biggest reason for that shift was, um, you know, we've become very successful at marketing artists for record labels. So they would bring us on, this is before social media, they would bring us on to, uh, first of all, give um, a sort of a seal of approval to certain artists um, and then also market them to our network of influencers and tastemakers, again, before social media. Um, as the industry changed uh, and the streaming services happened and the labels hadn't quite figured it out, so did the budgets. So we went from you know having very healthy marketing budgets for artists to having zero marketing <laughs> budgets. Uh, so at that point, brands kind of started approaching us and saying, hey, we, we want to play music. We don't really know how to do it. Can you help us? So I think the first company we did that for was Levi's. Uh, we created a music platform for them that lasted about four years called Miles Ahead that introduced great new artists. Uh, we created Steve Madden Music for Steve Madden and brought in people like Katy Perry and Lady Gaga before they were famous. Um, we were brought in by um, Intel to create and execute a big music platform for them. Um, we did the same for um, Samsung. We oversaw their um, that uh, experiential center uh, uh, in the meatpacking district. That oh, was, yeah. yeah. So that we were behind that. And that was everything from music to culture. That wasn't just music. Um, and, you know, most recently we um, done the global music strategy for W Hotels nice. uh, and created a record label for them, that uh, which was an interesting, you know, just an interesting way of them playing in music in a much more sort of authentic and valuable way. Um, and then we're, there's a bunch of other stuff we're working on that we can't really talk about. But um, secret, yeah. secret. Yeah. I, I want to go back a minute. You know, I'm not really a nostalgia guy, but I have to go back to the parties because. Me neither, by the that, way. You know, I'm really not. Like people talk about, oh, do you remember this in your career? I'm like, was I at that shoot? They're like, yes. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I think it was great. It was great. Um, but what I do remember is just my career in the music industry starts in the 90s. So going to Giant Step parties. That was the lick and not needing to know who was DJing, mm -hmm. who was going to see perform because I knew, oh, it's Giant Step. And what you guys did with the brand of Giant Step made us know, especially at that time, this is going to be quality. I'm going to leave there liking a bunch of things I know and hopefully discovering some new people. And I did always like, and how did that come about? Whose brainchild was the party? whose brainchild was the party. Um, so I started Giant Step um, with uh, somebody called Jonathan Rudnick, um, who I know Amy knows. Um, yeah. He, um, I met him when I was an intern at the town hall. I mm -hmm. was trying to um, just get into the music business and was failing miserably. So I ended up being the intern at the town hall, which was great, but mm -hmm. I, I thought I was going to be an A&R man at, you right. know, at Warner Brothers <laughs> and with, a, with a corner office. And, you and know, meanwhile, you're at Town Hall, like the, yeah, the balconies. I, of this. Uh, yeah, yeah, like making sure there were sort of like, you know, the seats were proper. Uh, right. And, and at night I was working in restaurants to make money. Um, Jonathan came there one day uh, to try and pitch my boss on a, on a series. Um, he started to, I was in the same office. Uh, he started explaining who these artists were and me, you know, having a big mouth, I started saying, Oh, that one won't sell any tickets. That one might sell tickets. And, <laughs> so he, and my boss didn't know who he was talking about. Right. So at the end of it, he goes like, who the fuck are you? So I go, I'm the intern. So, you know, and then we started talking and, um, you know, I said, uh, you know, what I really want to do is I want to do like a jazz dance party in New York, like, and he goes, you mean like Dingwalls in London? And I go, 
yeah, how do you know about dingwalls? So he was the first person I'd met who actually knew about this thing, you know, jet dancing to jazz music. Uh, so we stayed in contact. I, I started doing my own parties. I was doing MK and L's. And mm-hmm. um, then when I first started working with Leon Thomas and the JBs, um, they wanted to play bigger venues. So I approached Jonathan, who was working at SOBs at the time, doing the publicity. And I said, can we do this sh- these shows here? And Larry Gold, who owns SOBs, very kindly backed it because I had no money. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it started. And after a couple of months of doing the Groove Academy, um, Jonathan and I were like, why don't we start this jazz dance party? And we called it Giant Step. So that, that's how it started. Um, you know, we never started it with the idea to make money. We just were just passionate about giving a platform for all the great music that we knew was happening or was about to happen. And didn't really have a home. It's like happy accident. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about the logo? Can we talk about the logo? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. that Yeah, that logo is timeless. It's it's kind of like... Nobody ever knows that they're going to have something that becomes iconic, right? You think about all the labels I've worked at, I've seen their logos change throughout the years. Nothing really stays the same. I mean, the Giant Step logo is pretty iconic. I was, I was playing one of my alternate, I'm a huge alternate. Oh, so that's say, so you, yeah, yeah. And I pulled out my Twisted. Oh, yeah. And Great I, song. And I never realized, I didn't pay attention until I flipped the side over the other side, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Twisted was on, was on Giant Step? Yeah. This thing goes, yeah. The, the, the oh, four hero. And what a track that is. is such, oh, God, dude, I love that. It still sounds so, so oh, my God. good. So good. Well, thank Bill Coleman for that one. Because we thank Bill, Co- yeah. Bill Coleman every day. No, we, we wake up. You know how some people do a serenity prayer? We wake up and thank Bill Coleman for anything. And I, yeah. and I love it every time we say his name. Everybody's yeah. like, Bill. Bill yeah. Coleman. I know. Yeah, so, he's, like, he's, like, he's like the magic entry. Bill Coleman. So, Bill yeah, Coleman. So, Bill Coleman. So, so Bill, base, I think Bill was working with Ultra. And mm-hmm. she, I think she was working with, she was working with um, uh, Strictly Rhythm. Yeah, and she'd done the track "Twisted" with Four Hero, and they were like, uh, "There's no house beat here. What do we do with this thing?" Right. And Bill was like, "It's okay. Uh, I have an idea." So he <laughs> basically said, "Would you be interested in putting it out?" I'm like, uh, "You mean Four Hero and Ultranate? I mean, <laughs> you, you know, I do guess. I even, I even have to think about this?" You know? <laughs> um, and he actually he brought me Jody Watley as well. Oh. Um, you know, so, uh, uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah, Saturday Experience. Oh, there's uh, there's Twisted. Yeah, um, he did bring Saturday Experience. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I said this to Amy when I was talking about Giant Step. I said, you know, the dance that they chose to do, because <laughs> there's a lot of dance you can you can go. The dance they chose to do, those songs still sound amazing. It was very smart. The ones you said yes to, really. Well. Um, I mean, look, it's it, it, it's it's purely selfish at the end of the day because you know if you it, it's got to be music that, that that I liked and you know I, I you know New Eureka Soul, which uh, oh is, God, is incredible. I mean, I, I didn't hear any music. Uh, it was just Louis venting to me on the phone that he had no record label in America, and I was like, well, I'm about to have a record label, Louis, so I'm signing you. It was like just based right. on knowing that Louis and Kenny were doing an album that was an ode to Hector Laveau, Tito Puente, mm-hmm. Royers, blah, blah, blah. It was like, that was enough for me. It's like, all right, where do I sign? You know, right. like, yeah. what do you need? And, and the same with, you know, going to Donnie's album, you know, Donnie told me about this concept called the colored section that he wanted to make a theme record on. And it was a no brainer. I, I wasn't thinking, well, how are we going to market this thing? And what does it mean for an African-American, you know, gay 
uh, Hebrew Pentecostal right. <laughs> gentleman who's going to be <laughs> writing about, you know, the black experience, experience in, in, yeah. in a very, very oh, brilliant marketing. Let's talk about the black Israelite and his dan- and his music. Wait, yeah. in the nineties, let's the 90s. go. Right, yeah. the 90s. You know, yeah. and, and I didn't think like that. I was like, right. oh my god, you mean? I can actually be a part of something like that. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's <Right>. do it. <laughs> Cause I mean, if you're not leading, you're just following and then Absolutely. you're a nobody. Yeah. And here we are. How do you feel about the album having a 20th anniversary reissue? I, I, I think it's great because, um, you know, I, it, it's like anything you're involved with. You kind of don't listen to it for a long time, but, mm-hmm. um, over sort of last year when the pandemic was happening, especially with the sort of rise of Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and everything. And I, I, a friend of mine said, I was sitting with a friend and they were like, oh my God, I just love the color section. It's really helping me through these. I was like, you know, I, I, I put that record out. <laughs> she was like, no. I did not know that. And, and I went and listened to it again. I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is a good record. I mean, I knew it was, but that it's, it was talking about everything that was still happening. It was prescient. Uh, it was yeah, very prescient yeah. in a lot of ways. And, and both prescient and it's a weird combination. It's like Gil Scott Heron in a yeah. way. It's a, it was telling the future and speaking to the present yeah. at the same time. And, and the past as well. Um, yeah. And so we... You know, I wanted to, as a company, say something about what was happening, but I also was conscious of what I thought was going on at the time, which was, I was calling it the woke Olympics. It was like <laughs> a competition of who, right. which, who could be the most woke. And it was kind of annoying me, to be honest with you. Right. I mean, so I, I said, you know, instead of doing all of that, why don't we just have the colored section and have a discussion about it on, um, uh, we'll do it on Twitch. We'll get a group of people. Uh, Jason King uh, moderated it. Uh, we brought Donnie on it, um, Rich Medina, Steve Harvey, who produced the record, uh, and NASA Troutman, who was his manager at the time, and myself. And we had a conversation about the color section um, and its relevance today. And I think from that, um, Harry. Wenger from um, my okay. Yeah. Sigh. I have to sigh. I love Harry Wenger. There. Continue. Harry. <laughs> Harry. Harry tuned in and um, afterwards was like, "Hey, we got to put this thing out again." And I was like, "Okay, let's do it." You know, great yeah. idea. Because <laughs> um, we'd done. I'd um, I'd originally done it independently as a record, um, yes. and then um, with the success that we were having. Uh, I, I needed a partner who could, you know, help sort of fuel the fire. And that's um, when you went to Motown. I went to Motown, which in, you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, that's, well, and, and that's the interesting thing, right? Because Amy and I have talked about this record on the show where I was like, when that record was independent, you, it had, you had all the buzz, you had everything. And you go to Motown, which has Indiarari at the time, and Eric, you, you would think this is a place where this type of record will flourish and shine. And it was almost like they didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, uh, and that's a very, very good point. So it, when you, when, in those days when you signed you had an independent record out and then you signed to a major. There was what they call, you kind of had to run down sort of the product that you had out there. Mm. So there was, we had all this momentum and then we kind of had a lull because they had to get their stuff together. And then I had to get my product out of the marketplace. Um, And then, you know, on top of that, again, it's like, you've got a record by a very obviously, you know, gay, uh, African-American, uh, Hebrew Pentecostal artist who's singing about very controversial things and, you know, black radio and, 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 and marketing, you know, a pretty conservative, Yeah. you know, um, so it, 
I, I would say you're being, I say yeah, you're being a, kind. I am you being know? kind. Yeah, so, I feel like he's suffered the same fate of like a Rasan Patterson. These are really talented guys. Oh, but if you're the out right. black gay man, especially when they were putting out records, when he your was career was over. Your it career was like was black over. radio just did not give uh, them what no, they should have given They them. were very conservative. And, you know, and, and Donnie also, um, it, it was a lot for him to deal with because he was getting a lot of attention. Um, and I, I don't think he really knew how to deal with that as well. So um, there, there were a lot of factors. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, sometimes when you make a record as brilliant as that, which has obviously stood the sound of time, you know, there are some, there are, you know, Marvin Gaye was not a, you know, was a flawed human being. Yeah. You know, it's Listen. like Donny Hathaway was a yeah. flawed human being. I mean, you know. So. Not everybody's built for it. And now everybody, some people just, they are true artists. You know, like I yeah. would say, there's a lot of singers, but every, we call everybody artists. Not everybody is an artist. Yeah. There are some people, and I, I've said this about Sinead O'Connor, right? You could tell those words have to come out of her. Right. It's not about, let me stand in front, you all love me. And sometimes when you have a record like that, where the press all jumps to it and the attention comes to you, not everybody can handle that kind of one pressure to feel like, can I even follow this up? And not everybody really wanted that kind of thing. Some people just make records that it takes off like lightning in a bottle. And now you find yourself in this conundrum of not knowing really how to be an artist. And if you have any internal shit, here it is going to be exasperated 5,000% because not everybody is looking at you, having expectations from you. And that was back in the time where you had to go on a real promo tour. Yeah. You had to do shows. You had to go oh, on yeah. television. You went to Europe for at least two weeks when the album came out and you had to do all of these things. And if you are not ready, it can be yeah, much. Yeah, you got a tour, um, et cetera, et cetera. But also, I mean, it was a very pure soul album which there was nothing like that out there at that no, time. No, not at all. You know, there was no real, you know, it, it was soul music. Now, if that, if that would have come out now, everyone, oh, yeah, we love soul music. That's, right. you know, that's the way. But back then it was, you know, the, I, I, you know, the neo-soul title, which was horrible. Uh, um, like, who came up with that? A that's marketing, so, a marketing I, person. The same, the same person who came up with the term acid jazz. Acid jazz. Yeah. Oh I was just going to say that. I was saying, and, 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 and post-punk. And <laughs> but, uh, post-punk. And the, and the next one is new disco. This is oh, new disco. Yeah, with a U. With, with a U. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, what is that? What is, okay, thank you. What does that mean? I wanted to ask you oh, 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 just a, a question, uh, just for a second, about Giants, uh, Giants that the, the marketing company just now and then I um, I was wondering this is like my punk rock roots coming out here as opposed to my actual roots coming out now from the pandemic um, has there ever been a situation where you're with a corporation where you're like we don't want to do this this is not who we are or they have oh, yeah. said to you oh, yeah. uh, this is not who we are you know I mean I, I mean I'll give you an example with music artists I should turn down a lot of music artists. Um, I was, you know, I was brought Maroon 5 at the beginning and they were like, we, we want you guys to market this and give it the seal of, seal of approval. And I listened to it and I was like, guys, you're going to make a lot of money with these guys, but I ain't putting my name anywhere near this stuff. Well, you know, when you do successful I, marketing, everybody wants the magic. They all want to go, right. where's that place? It's so there. It's like I remember when you know when we worked Jill Scott and and Amy Winehouse. We did the marketing for them, and people are like, "Oh, what did you do?" I was like, "We didn't do anything." Right. <laughs> you know, like we just you know they they did it all. All we did was we were given a piece of gold, and everybody wants gold. So and you put the plugs yeah, in yeah, the yeah, right yeah, socket. Yeah, exactly. Literally, we didn't well, do any. Yeah. Well, but Amy the thing Winehouse- is, it, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. The thing is. It's harder to do than people think as someone who did marketing. You can have all the goods, but if you do not plug the right plugs into the right socket, you see how that can go down. So it it is about the right marketing team with the right artists at the right time. But but if if they produce gold. Yeah, I mean, Amy, I I mean, I have this very emotional connection, Amy Winehouse, my name aside, just because she was somebody 
that record labels honed, they honed in on me in terms of work. You got to write about her, you got to write about her, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was flattered, you know, in hindsight, why? But she's somebody who had just seemed so organic, her, her connection here, because the the people I covered her for were Black Music Magazine. I covered her for Double XL because of the Ghostface re yeah. uh, remix of "You Know That I'm No Good." So it yeah. really never felt like, and that's a credit to you guys too. It never felt like we were being marketed to, right. or or patronized or something like that. But the the interesting thing is is that uh, I remember I got a call from Universal, and they're like, um, "All right, so we've got this artist. Uh, you might not have heard of her." She's British. Uh, we want you guys to get on board and, and help us break her. I was like, what's her name? They got Amy Winehouse. I go, why wasn't Frank ever put out? Right. You know, like, yeah. And they were yeah, like, right. like, <laughs> like, what? What's Frank? I go, the <laughs> album that's been sitting in your... In, in, the you album know, they hired got, me to do the yeah, bio yeah, for. Yeah, they hired me with. to do the bio yeah, for, like, and then it like, never came out. It's like, well, it's like what, 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 what yeah. do you... What, you know, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The Frank, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would say that little album she won the Ivor Novello Award for, you know, like the that, songwriting that, award. That you was know. so frustrating that you would have all this amazing music, and that's what's beautiful now about that. You know, you can circumvent a lot of these, the gatekeepers. You you still need radio you still need the big record labels but you can kind of do it yourself and then w without needing a huge amount of money and then they can come on board and just what are you guys working on right now i mean what sort of in the right i mean all right other than the secret squirrel stuff oh, that you can't okay. tell us so, about all right so um uh we i just came back from colorado we we did a, a big project for a cbd company uh, we're telling their story through music and film. Um, yes. I've cr created some Courtney's of, ears just perked of, up. Uh, what? The CBD? Yeah. Um, well, well, I'm more THC with a dash of CBD. Me too, actually. What CBD? That section I walk past and it just fits me to the good stuff. Yeah, let me go to the good stuff. <laughs> we've, been working, we've been working with the BBC um, on something. Um, which I can't really talk about. Understood. We are, we've just been asked to do music supervision on a very important documentary that I can't talk about. Um, we are working with a sound company on a big project that I can't talk about. Um, <laughs> All right, so clearly so, we have to invite you back in six months and you can yeah, spill your guts. We're, 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 W Records, uh, which was on hiatus during COVID, um, uh, we are finally releasing um, an artist in August. We did nice. all the recording. We, we, we uh, worked, we've been working with an artist called Elsa E. Elmar. She is a Colombian-born uh, Mexican uh, music artist she's incredible there's amazing music coming out of latin america nice. um so that's coming out in august um we're you know we're doing the reopening of laban uh on thursday with ron trent um there's, there's other stuff we, we, old navy are our longtime clients we we do all the music for them um there's did other you, stuff. Did you hook them up with HER? No, I, I did no not. Idea? I okay. did not. That was their advertising. I, I kind of wish I had, but no. Yeah. Who are you listening to these days? Courtney is like one of the most mute. I mean, Courtney is like, I, I bless his heart. He's turned me on to so much stuff, but that man listens to music the way that I watch television. And, um, and right <laughs> now, and, and what have I been doing? I've been going backwards. I've been having full zero seven moments. Right. Yeah. And I know that you guys well, the U.S. distributor for the first Zero Seven albums well, here. Well, we did the marketing, and I, I put out the vinyl. Uh, yes. But they, eventually, they did a deal with a, with another company. With, they yeah. went to like Electra or something, and I no, they, before that they went with that, a, mm. um, a company out of California. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting. So, who am I listening to at the moment? Yeah, who um, are you? Who, I you mean, some, yeah. So, I mean, Salt have been yeah absolutely brilliant um i'm really enjoying little sims um, 
who else am I? Um, it's sort of like a bunch of music coming out of uh, Latin America. I, I like the new Crangbin uh, remix record a lot. Um, I, uh, uh, there's another singer I really like called um, Kaja Bonet, who's doing some interesting stuff. Um, uh, the new Hydus Coyote um, album is great. Uh, they got Arthur Veracal on that, uh, the Brazilian <laughs> producer. Nice. Um, who else have I been listening it to? It seems like a lot of your focus is, and it's interesting, and we're going to, it's it's good to hear your focus is, you know, we always think in terms of certain geographical areas, and I like that hearing that your focus is going Latin America, stuff like that, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I you know, in I, I do music strategy for a lot of brands, and especially when I'm helping them think globally, um, the archetype has definitely shifted in what we see at where we're getting our cultural information from, you know, so, you know, back in the day, we would get our cultural information from New York, London, Los Angeles, Paris, Berlin, you know, the, the Tokyo, the kind of the obvious places that's right. Paris. That's where we get all our, our music from our fashion, from our culture, our art, etc. But now, you know, it's in much more of a global economy. So, you know, the archetype is no longer those places. It, it's, it's Bogota. It's, um, you know, Shanghai. It's um, Cape Town, Johannesburg. It, you know, it, it's, it's not the obvious places. So with that said, you know, there are these other areas to really discover a lot of incredible scenes that are happening. Right. Um, Court, you got anything you want to? I mean, he's speaking your language there for sure. I mean, to me, it just makes sense. I think when I talk to people about music, I'm like, there's a whole world for you to discover. Don't just look at these small little things and expand your mind, and you will you will be amazed at so many artists you've never heard of that are coming out with really amazing rhythms and textures. And I'm glad that we're starting to see. Like you said, everything was always New York, Paris, London, these artists from here. But now we're starting to get more artists from Latin America. We're starting to get those rhythms from Africa. Africa yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And textures. And, you know, America's still a little slow to catch up, I notice, especially with, with African artists and those rhythms. But like you said, we're in a world of these kids, you have a whole computer in your pocket. It's all mm -hmm. available to you. Yeah. There. And that's what I love. Which it wasn't for us. No, right, not at all. But, but we have magazines. You see, I read, I worked in record stores, I worked in mm -hmm. Tower, I worked at The Wiz. Mm -hmm. I used to read every trade, you know, mm -hmm. sit there and go through all of the different magazines from all over and, you know, go to the record store and spend hours upon hours just going through the racks. And I, I'm glad, even if it's because vinyl is a little bit of fad for people. I'm glad to see young people back in record stores and having that mm -hmm. discovery again. And mm -hmm. when I'm in my little local shop, there's zines again, because I used to get a lot of stuff from zines. So I love mm -hmm. seeing that culture come back and giving people something that's not an algorithm to say, look at this, but actually discovering it because you're in a store and you're hearing something be played. And, the only and downside is that they're not paying the writers anymore, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Uh, that, I'll add that on to my bitterness about the Clive Davis program. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I'll just keep and on no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I am kidding about that. And you're right, Courtney. It's great to see. It goes yeah. cyclical. It goes yeah. cyclical. And the important thing is that we have fans and we have the artists. And Morris, we have people like you. I, and Giant we still have Step. Giant Step is still yeah. out there being on, yeah. at the front line, kind of. Yeah ushering this stuff in for people. I, well, I think, I think it's interesting about the, the, the fans that, you know, that more people, you know, obviously the pandemic happened, but more people want to go out to shows more than ever now. Oh my God, uh, people wait. are, you know, again, back in the day when we were trying to, we put on an artist who was unknown, you, you know, a lot of times other than having the giant step seal of approval, we didn't have very much else for them. Right. Now, because people hadn't heard the music. It wasn't on the radio. Right. No one was writing about it. You couldn't get the product here. 
or if it was here, no one could find it. Um, you know, whereas now you can find everything. You just yeah. got to help direct people to where it is. Yeah, that, that's the difference. You know? Well, um, I want to, we both, I, we both, we want to thank you so much for doing this, Morris. It's, it's been a rough year and a half for all of us. Um, and we're so glad that you guys are thriving and continuing. You know, you're talking to two died in the wool fans. I mean, you guys oh, are like, you. if it's no, I mean, you know, well, you know that I've always liked you very much as a human being. She doesn't know me very well. I don't. That's the best, that's the best <laughs> way to like me right. as well. <laughs> from a distance, from a distance. And we're going to do a great Jaya Step playlist to go for along sure. with this oh, show that will come out. Yeah, we're going to sure. be a retrospective of everything from oh, thank you. to modern. And no, I'm no. Gonna, yeah, thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for listening to us. Thank you, Pantheon Podcast family. And remember, guys, follow us on our Facebook because you're old like us. So that means you all have Facebook. <laughs> so we're, I'm going to let you finish all one word. For you young people, we're on Instagram at I'm going to let you finish in why. And for you people who are reverent and don't like your parents, we're on Twitter at Finish Ima. And you can listen to us wherever you hear your greatest podcast because you're listening to us right now. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. Happy Pride, because it's still June. It, and for the rest of you, happy 4th of July weekend, because it's about to be 4th of July weekend and all that good shit. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills, too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically, so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.